SR Motion Podcast with your hosts, Michael Steinberg and Andrew Hogue. All right. What is up? Welcome to the XR Motion Podcast, where we go over everything AR, VR, 3D, motion graphics, metaverse, crypto, I don't know, you name it, we go over everything in the digital space. Today, we've got a very exciting episode, and I can't wait to get into it with y'all. But before we do that, we have Andrew with us, as always. Andrew, how you doing, bud? What's up? Good stuff. Uh, weekend of travel. So excited to be back in my office and doing some work and excited to chat with a very talented artist today. Oh, yeah. It's it's uh, and also I'm glad you're back too, Andrew. I miss you. So <laughs> I missed you too, man. <laughs> but yeah, so today we have with us Isabel Catherine Yaila. And Isabel is just a fantastic artist. She's an XR creator and jewelry designer who works under the alias Icy Bitch. She graduated from SVA in 2022 with a BFA in advertising and design, also majoring in XR. Very exciting. Uh, Her work ranges from VR to AR and experiences to 3D characters and scenes. There's never a dull day in the ice first. With that being said, Isabel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. Absolutely. I'm glad uh, you could join us today. And speaking of, where are you joining us from today? Uh, North Jersey, like 15 minutes away from the city, like everyone says from North Jersey. (laughs) Nice, nice. Yeah, so I'm excited to dive in this with you and ask you so many questions, especially since you're doing XR creations, which is very exciting. So, I guess if you could, could you just elaborate on what it is being like an XR creator is and what that means to you and maybe a little bit about the projects you've been working on? So as an XR designer, I'm sure you know it encompasses a bunch of things, a bunch of different softwares. So I think of XR as kind of like an umbrella term. It combines virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, and the list keeps on going. Every day, I feel like The definition is changing just because new softwares are coming out. It's becoming more accessible to everybody. People are learning new tools to incorporate in their work. So for me, my work incorporates VR experiences. I combine my 3D characters into augmented reality. I make filters and sometimes I create animations and I combine my jewelry designs into my animations and characters, try to model out some fashion. I basically do a little bit of everything. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And your work, it's really cool. I love even on your website. I love how you have a VR slash 3D metaverse type experience where you're able to kind of browse around your portfolio and world. That's super cool. Is that something you made or how did that come about on your page? It's just super creative. I love it. Thank you so much. That means so much. It took me a while to build and it's I'm building every single day on it, but I wanted to find a way that I could combine my 3D worlds uh, into an actual universe. And with the whole term metaverse being thrown out lately, it's not the first time metaverse has been like the, the term metaverse has been mentioned. Obviously, I don't know if you guys know, but I in school, I learned that Neil Stevenson wrote a book called Snow Crash, which was one of the first times or the first time, if I'm not mistaken, that the metaverse was mentioned. And from what I took from it, it's kind of like a world layered on top of ours, which is kind of what's happening now. 
And what I created, the Iceverse, is Web3 portal world combining all of the massive projects that I've worked on. So you can experience them in, on any device, like on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer, in your VR goggles. I really wanted it to be accessible through any any device that you have so you can actually understand what XR, VR, AR, what it means to immerse yourself into this world. So, I mean, anyone listening to this could probably type in theiceverse.com and go check it out. But yeah. <laughs> Highly recommend you guys do that. And as well, even on your Instagram page, almost forgot to give that a little shout out. It's for Instagram, it's icybitch3d. And it looks like you have two here, the Iceverse. Is that so you have two, correct? Yeah. My main one that I post on every day is icybitch3d. I also have like my shop Instagram where I post like my jewelry and working on some cool merch. And yeah, everything is just kind of progressing every day. So I'm updating everything constantly. Yeah, it's very cool stuff. You guys have got to check it out. It's very bright, very vivid, very fun. And yeah, just hits all angles of, you know, with the 3D VR and the character designs you do is just fantastic. Thank you so um, much. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, what programs are you working on? So I work with, I'm in love with Blender. I just nice. love it so much. But I do use Cinema 4D. I use Daz Studio, sometimes ZBrush. I use Marvelous Designer for clothes. Unreal Engine I use for MetaHuman and some other video game stuff and also Unity. So like I use those two. Like if I'm using Unreal Engine, I have to use Unity kind of. And then for AR, I use Spark AR and Lens Studio. Um, I don't have a Mac. Well, I just got a Mac. I'm working on mainly PC right now. So from what I know, TikTok Effect House isn't or PC yet. I may be wrong. I'm just downloading that now. So going to be working on the Effect House too. Wow. That is quite a list. That's amazing. So extensive. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, I feel like I've the, the list just keeps growing of stuff that you want to pick up and learn. And I feel like to your point, it's like every day there's something new and exciting to go out and Sometimes I feel like I get distracted by all the the shiny new stuff, but it's so cool and so important to to you know stay on top of the tools that are coming out. And obviously, it shows in your work. I feel like you're doing stuff that I'm like I have no idea where to even begin with a project like that. One thing I am curious about. So you say you do uh, you also have a background in jewelry design. That's like physical goods, like yeah. actually creating. Yeah. So I'm just curious. Uh, you know, with this whole idea of XR and building things that are meant to be interacted with, do you kind of find yourself borrowing from your skill set as a jewelry designer and being able to, to d design tangibly with your hands? Do you find some of that translating into like building things in the digital space? Absolutely. Like my father is a second generation jeweler, so he came to. America. And as we were, you know, growing up, I would sit by his bench and watch him sculpt this incredible piece of art from a block of wax. I would just sit there in awe. And when I started getting into 3D design, I realized that that was possible on the computer too. I mean, I'm definitely not as good as my dad's 40 years of experience in sculpting, but VR and Blender definitely helped me, especially Gravity Sketch and the sculpting tool in Blender helped me push my ideas for sure from like more physical goods into 3D. Like I was working with, nice. I sell a lot of belly rings. I love selling belly rings. They're like, my, they're the most fun things <laughs> ever. And I came up with a collection to um, recreate those belly rings in 3D and put them on bodices. 
And I actually created like an NFT collection where you, if you buy the belly ring on the bodice, it's called an ice bodice. If you buy it, you get entered into this uh, exclusive VR room that only you and 12 other people are able to see. And that is also constantly being updated. So I try to keep on putting more like stuff from the real world that I'm selling on my, on my shop into my designs and in VR and stuff. So you can. Yeah, that's amazing. I've seen people use Blender for 3D printing and fabrication. Have you done any of that kind of stuff or? 3D printing, not as much. I just started working with my cousin who mainly 3D prints. So that's something I'm really excited to get into. I think I'm more into the animation and like the digital creation of the assets for now. I can't wait to actually 3D print some of my characters, make action figures and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. It's always, it's always exciting to see, um, stuff you make in a digital way, you know, uh, conveyed in the real world, like even, um, not just like physical goods, but even if you design for like, you know, really mm -hmm. interesting screen layouts or, you know, people that do like uh, live show design and projection mapping. I mean, I love, I love how much, um, all of what we're talking about has sort of started to bridge from just not just living in the digital space, but having a space in physical reality too. So yeah. And I don't want to digress, but I believe you mentioned your grandpa who was doing the sculpting, correct? Um, my, my grandfather started with doing it, and then he taught my father when he was eight years old, and my dad has been doing it ever since. Wow. And then taught me. So I, I just want to hear a little bit about your past. Where did you start, and what kind of got you into the field and to where you are now? Um, well, my father played a huge role in pushing me to become a designer when ever since I was younger I always saw him creating everyone in my family is an artist so we're always pushing each other to create something new every day what'd you make today what'd you do today and it's kind of like a like a competition between all of us but it's a fun competition it's nice and lighthearted. so I started when I was younger I used to always make little video games and photoshop weird things when I was in middle school and my dad pushed me to take more photoshop classes and then I went to a technical high school, so I was uh, able to choose a major to learn for the four years before I went into college. So I knew if I actually wanted to do that throughout the rest of my life. <laughs> and I chose graphic design because I didn't know XR, VR, AR even existed at the time. So I figured yeah. I would end up meeting someone or figuring out something to create an experience like the experience I've always wanted to create. And then... When I was in high school, I got hired as a, a graphic designer for my county, which helped me figure out that I didn't want to just do posters and stuff. I wanted to push my work more to the 3D, which is what I ended up doing when I got into college. And then I, when I went into college, I went to SVA and I majored in design and advertising. And then up until my junior year, when COVID started, I didn't know what 3D or any of that was until I saw it on my Instagram feed. And then I just downloaded Blender and got right to it. And eventually I built my PC with my partner and yeah. And then just went from there. Damn. That is so impressive. So, so you're saying you, you're saying you're on like, t like two, maybe going on three years of, of 3D design. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That is <laughs> very, very impressive. Yeah, Thank because when you. you look at your portfolio, I mean, certainly looks like you've been doing it for longer than that. So and it sounds like all of the experience leading up to opening Blender for the first time um, kind of informed a lot of what you're doing now, which is 
it's always really good to have, I feel like it sounds like you have a very strong fundamental base and just visual design in general, which everything sort of branches off from there. So that makes sense. But yeah, again, three years, that's, you're making some very incredible stuff. Yeah, bravo. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to retire. I'll just retire now. I'll see myself out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, looking at your stuff, it really is great. And I like how it seems you're kind of trying to interconnect your different assets from building a physical object, I guess you were saying, to like the NFTs, to then the metaverse, which is very cool. I guess I'm kind of curious, what's kind of your goals right now? And what's your angles at what you're what you're really trying to create? And well, I mean, as we mentioned before, since XR combines so many different things, it gives me and anyone else who decides to become an XR designer, which is not that hard, to just, you know, <laughs> identify yourself as an XR designer and say, I do all of these things. It's kind of just what you make of it. And I'm doing something new every day. I try to push myself to create one thing every day. And it's just baby steps until I, you know, take the larger steps. But even then, I still think it's going to be one render every day, one VR sculpting every day, just because, you know, I'm only human and you can't build the whole entire wheel in one day. You got to kind of add on to it and observe from other people what they're doing. So that's kind of what my goals are to just keep on pushing, creating whatever I want every single day and seeing where it could lead me to. Because I think up until this point, I've been trying to do that and it's been working really well and I've been having a blast. So God willing, I can continue to do that and push myself to just, you know, do whatever I, I want and I create whatever I can. Love that. So with the programs you're working with, because you're working with quite a lot of programs. So you're working with Blender as kind of fundamental. And then I know you mentioned Unreal Engine and Unity. And then you also said something I was curious about. I feel like you might have said when you use Unity, then you also use Unreal. So I'm curious, why is that? Because you usually hear people saying you have to use one or the other. So what is that workflow like? Well, I had a professor in college who was teaching us a new software every week and he like pushed it into our brains that that's exactly what you should be doing after college too. And I feel like every person in my life, every mentor I've ever had is saying, keep trying to upgrade yourself. And I mean, I'm not saying I understand even half of those programs, but I try to open the program yeah. and push myself to make something. I'm in the process of trying to make my first real first person shooter video game and it's working pretty well. But I also am very much of a perfectionist. So it's always like, I don't know if it's perfect yet. I don't know if I should release it yet, but I'm definitely going to be pushing myself to do that more. When it comes to both of them working like together, one of them is good for one thing. The other one is good for another. So I'll create a meta human on one of them. And then on the other, I'll work on my video game or I'll watch a video on some kind of code or you know, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can throughout the day, just so I can keep my brain fresh. When I see someone on, on Instagram make something, it drives me crazy when I don't know how to make it. So I have to learn or else I like, I can't sleep. I can't do anything. I have to learn. So. <laughs> yeah, I definitely know the struggle. There's just sometimes I'm up till 5 a.m. just refusing to go to bed until I understand how it's done. And it's, it's, yeah, it can be torturous, but when you finally figure it out, it's one of the greatest feelings ever. It's worth all of those hours after once you figure it out. It's like, you want to cry and scream and run around the house, but everyone's sleeping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's honestly like the peak high is when you 
spend so much time going through this process that you feel like you're banging your head against the wall and you know you have all these all the i don't know how you guys are i definitely get a lot of self-doubt when i'm in situations like that where i'm like why can i not figure this out i should be able to do this and then when you finally have that aha moment you're just like it's it's just so it's so rewarding um (laughs) does not doesn't really compare to much else i feel like in my life so i totally get that yeah and i mean insatiable curiosity is a must that especially i think if you want to have a long career you know you can't unfortunately you don't have the luxury of just doing the same thing every day some people really you know enjoy that and enjoy being able to have their kind of cornerstone they go back to but more and more the, the more people we've talked to on this podcast too it's that's sort of a very recurring theme is just like I like all of it. I try to learn all of it. Sometimes it sucks, but most times it's awesome and worth all the struggle. So, yeah. yeah. And also, I feel like if you stand still in any point in any aspect of your life, whether you're trying to figure out, like, if you stop working for two weeks, it's kind of like you're you're a month behind already in this field. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to keep up, but it's so rewarding, like you said, yeah. when you do keep up and when you do figure it out. And I mean, I also never think that it's the wrong time to start for anyone at all. And yeah, I, I think everyone has their own journey and own time to figure out things. Yeah. It, everyone, everyone's kind of just like on this timer, I feel like on social media and just, it's really hard to keep up with because you're seeing people doing all these incredible things and you're like, why didn't I, why can't yeah, I? Yeah, why didn't I think of that first? Or why isn't the thing that I'm yeah. working on done yet? So I'm curious, so you said you, you graduated recently, right? So. You've got all this awesome Iceverse stuff. You have all these portals sort of hosting all these different pieces of work you've made. So post-graduating, aside from, you know, the Icy Bitch Project, are you doing any client work? I mean, what's your day-to-day look like? Or is it really just you're 100% in on your art? Well, I mean, in a perfect world, it would be 100% in on my art, yeah. but I do have to work. So I, in the morning, I usually wake up. I try, I've been trying especially to like perfect my routines. I wake up, you know do my normal daily morning things, make a coffee or a matcha, stretch a little bit. And then I get to packing my orders and I end up going to the like post office three times throughout the day. And then my night, my nighttime is usually the time where I create the most, but I'll try to do a lot of the social media things throughout the day. And then I'll hopefully, if I was prepared the night previous to, I will hopefully be like rendering out an animation while I'm working on the internet throughout the day. Nice. So then my computer is not like going crazy. And yeah. then, yeah, I'm just trying to constantly keep a, a things like rolling, like an animation's going while I'm packing these orders. And right. then I run out of the house and then I set another animation. So it's kind of just home slash running errands slash home working. It's just a yeah. repeat cycle. No, so that's so it sounds so basically it sounds like you're you're leveraging your skills, you know, and your business of creating jewelry and designing jewelry and actually making jewelry. And then when you're not doing that, you're just hustling 3D stuff, which is that's awesome. I mean, also a very important to have things you like to do that aren't at the computer. I feel like you can definitely burn out if you're I mean, I'm totally with both of you where it's like sometimes you're up really late and you know, but um, you can only you can only pull like so many fifteen hour days at the computer before your brain just sort of turns to mush. So it's it sounds actually I'm I'm a little jealous. I love like being you know you've got these like built in breaks of like I got to run to the post office, I got to pack this. You know, it gives you a chance to sort of force you away from the direct screen in front of you and the problem you're working on there. Which I usually get aha moments when I'm not at the computer, and it's like forcing yourself to to kind of step away from a problem. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is so true, especially if you're working on the same project for so long. It gets to the point where you can't even see the project, you yeah. know, you're just like looking at it and it might as well just be a gray screen. 
you have to really walk away and then come back and then visualize and you're like oh okay i clearly see that this is off on these sections but this part is great but um i wanted to ask something about your website how did you go about adding in the vr or the ar experience yeah i was curious about that too how you actually deployed it um it was an entire semester of work with my professors constantly, but it's a combination of just code. It's like Man. a mix of my 3D assets and then images and then code to bring it all together. And that's basically just what it is. Just I just built it with code and I was building the assets and I ended up like, you know, referencing those assets in the code. Wow. And as I, I like every element is either picture 3d object or a piece of geometry that i coded into it and then buttons and then actions and stuff are included it's amazing those. yeah it's Thanks. really fun it's really fun i definitely see portfolios being experienced more in this realm especially if you want to see how clean your model really is looking you know from all angles not just the one camera angle or other objects seeing the scaling and the composition you can, i don't know there's just so much that i feel like this path's going to lead down and i feel like it's definitely a natural extension of you know like sketchfab right so the last few years that's been huge where it's you know a modeler or a lighter you know all these people sharing all these awesome projects on sketchfab and i feel like the reason it took off is because yeah i mean before that you could look at a, a video or a render of a 3d object or an animation and you know you get a general sense that you know, what it, what it feels like, what it looks like, but it is totally different. I mean, you know, Sketchfab filled sort of the, the middle ground of, yeah, now you can like click and see different layers and see your wireframe, but then to actually physically be able to, whether it's like through a headset or even just like, you know, like right now on your website, I can pull it up and, you know, using my mouse and a few uh, like WASD keys, I'm like walking around and clicking on stuff. I mean, it just changes the, it changes the experience, I think for the better, for sure. Yeah, I, for anybody listening, just right now, if you're there, just type in the Iceverse and check it out. It's it's really cool, and uh, yeah, it'll definitely get your creative wheels turning because um, everyone's gonna be like, "I need to redesign my portfolio now." <laughs> you guys yeah. are so sweet. Thank you so much. You have no idea how long I've been waiting to hear someone say, "Wow." <laughs> Good job, guys. Good job. You did something. No, no. I mean, that's huge. I mean, Michael, like you were saying, like, I think uh, everyone's always trying to think of how to differentiate their portfolio. Then you kind of have this contradicting advice sometimes where it's like, just make a grid and then put some thumbnails on. And like, that's great. But, you know, I've had to hire or whether I'm looking for someone to collaborate with on a project, if I need an extra After Effects artist or something. When you start going through portfolios, if everyone's portfolio looks exactly the same and obviously a lot of trends and styles, it, it becomes just this whole blank space in your head of like, I don't remember which website I was on when I liked it. You know, you stumble across something where you're like in the Iceverse. Again, I'm not going to forget Iceverse. I'm not going to forget Icy Bitch. I mean, I, I've never, I, I'm also Great not brand. spending a ton of time looking at uh of portfolios of other people right now. But I feel like, yeah, that's a huge differentiator. I mean, I have not, I don't think I've seen anyone else with a, you know, I mean, you have your traditional portfolio too. It's not like you have to experience it through the ice first. You can still see everything else on your website, but I mean, just such an awesome way to, to highlight your work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to ask too, with the, just cause I'm all about Unreal, are you using Unreal Engine 5 or 4? 5. 
five. Nice. Now here comes another tricky <laughs> question. Unity or Unreal? On. If you had to choose and why. Gotta have a second for that one because <laughs> like if you asked me to choose between Blender and Cinema 4D, it would be an easy answer of Blender. But to be <laughs> honest, I don't even use them for the same thing. So I can't compare them. Like I'm not that savvy in Unreal Engine for video games. I wouldn't be able to compare it for to Unity for that. But I do use Unreal for different things, like for characters and for other assets and stuff. It would honestly depend on my mood, like of the day. If I'm if I'm in for a risk and in for a challenge, like I'm ready to watch a couple YouTube videos and figure it out, then I'm I'm going to Unreal Engine. But if I already kind of learned Unity in school, so it's it's easy to just go back on my notes that I took from class and just be like, ah, oh, that's the key. That's so yeah. valid, though. Obviously, all these companies that make all the software, they present it to you in a way of like, well, this is what it's for. And usually the best uses of it are the ones that are just people like, I use it just for this one thing that I found out I could do well or that I liked doing. And, you know, you use it when you need it. And it's not really a question of like, I am solely a Unity artist or so, you know, to be able to bounce around and kind of let your your process and what you're trying to accomplish be informed by the, what you use rather than the other way around. Yeah, I also wanted to ask about, um, you do a lot of drawing, if I'm correct. Is that on, it looks like maybe an iPad or is that... Yeah, yeah, I, I use Procreate um, a lot. I also sketch a lot just before I get into 3D sometimes. It's just because I, um, like, that's kind of how all of my schooling was. It's kind of how I was, like, trained. Um, so I would sketch out an idea before. If I'm really excited about it, I'll just get into 3D. But if I want to, like, hash out a couple of ideas, I would always sketch. Like, I know, I'm sure, like, you guys know, and you guys have to sketch out, like, 30 different ideas until you come to one and then you go back to the first one and then it was like the other 30 didn't even matter but yeah i just i like sketching it gets the juices flowing if i can't just it's hard to start on a computer screen sometimes yeah oh i totally i totally yeah. get that i mean i i think i've said a couple episodes ago like when we we're i think it was bernard we were talking to where it's like i'm not i am not do not consider myself a good drawer at all but forcing myself <laughs> to just say yep. like let me just try to sketch out just some rough compositions even it just kind of takes this like there is sort of the painful curve of when you first start a new project whether you know whatever program you're in but you know i also use blender a lot so blender projects with the end of it you can look at it and be like how did it it, it can be so complicated you got to know where everything is you got certain things set up that first setup phase of a project can really suck especially when you don't have a you know you're not going to have the clear. I don't think it's ever going to be a hundred percent. What you draw is what you make and that's it. You find solutions as you're working on stuff. But I totally agree that just taking some time to be like, let me get as much done on a, a pad and paper before I even go into a program. It usually makes the process mm -hmm. a lot more fluid. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just going to point out like that. I mean, just looking at some of your work, you might be one of the best drawers we've had on the podcast i mean wow. i'm pretty blown away at how good some of these are were you taking classes is this something that you just grew up doing or is it you just went to paint nights a few <laughs> nights the drawing i don't know well, i didn't take any any drawing class and i honestly just i went for it i think it's in it's in the armenian blood where we're all just <laughs> constantly creating some something artsy has to come out of all of us so it just you know <laughs> right on wow so you never took any drawing classes or anything like that 
I think in college I had to take like a prereq of like a draw drawing for like one year, but it was uh. more of a someone stands naked in the middle of a room and you get to, you know, draw them and then you move on to the next drawing. It's not really like perfecting the details of anything like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I had to take a few of those classes <laughs> myself. And yeah, definitely didn't get this good. That's thank for you. sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Also, I, we're just feeding you with compliments. <laughs> I know, um, you guys are the best. I'm having the best night. <laughs> Welcome to the Compliment XR Motion <laughs> show. Where we just give compliments to everybody who comes on here. No. Come on to XR Motion and we will gas you up like all the whole episode. <laughs> no, I mean, it, uh, but it's well-deserved. And I mean, it's you're doing stuff that yeah, I think a lot of people, I mean, I've been... I've been a motion designer for a little over a decade now. And so much of this stuff is really new too. I mean, to be this well-versed in XR is, I think it's a really good reference point for people who maybe don't have a, I mean, who really does have a full understanding of what all this stuff is. It changes every day. There's constantly new stuff, but I think it's a really good reference point for like, this is what you can do when you take all of these skill sets, bring all of them together and start experimenting with, you know, the actual end user experience of it, whether it's, you know, a metaverse in the web browser or with, with, with a headset on. So that's, it's very exciting stuff. I love, I love looking at it. So what, what projects, I mean, I know you've got your portals that you're working on. You said you're constantly adding stuff, you know, assets to that, but do you have any upcoming projects that you're particularly excited about or anything you're working on? Well, I do have something coming up for Halloween, but it's not fully built yet, which it should be, but it's not fully built yet. So the me announcing it will come up probably around like next week. It's going to be it's going to be like a combination of AR and VR. It's going to be another portal opening in the iceverse. But other than like code and stuff like that, other than VR, I'm working on a couple of sculpting videos. Actually, I said other than VR, this is also VR. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on a couple of VR sculpting videos and just process videos of what I've been doing because I've been getting a lot of questions on stuff like that. But just a lot of other projects in the works that I can't really mention right now, yeah. but they're coming out in the next couple of months. So that's amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm so very... I actually just saw your last Instagram post was via VR sculpting at the pool. So what what program were you using when you're doing that? I lo- and I love I agree. I mean, I love seeing process videos. I love seeing you actually physically with the headset on, but then all these different angles of what you're building. Thank you. I've been using Gravity Sketch. Okay. Gravity Sketch is so fun to play with. Oh my gosh. I was, I lay down here some nights and I'll just put on the goggles. Like I'll recline my chair all the way back and then I'll just VR sculpt in the air, like with my arms in the air and I'll just be laying down listening to music. It's really, really fun. And I'll like import some of my 3D assets that I sculpted from Blender into there. So it gives me more of a, instead of starting with a blank canvas kind of thing, I could sculpt onto something that I've made. Nice. So that's a little bit more fun. Is that kind of come out as voxels or is it exporting actual geometry like OBJs? Yeah, it exports as an yeah. OBJ and then you can just import it to Blender. So nice. And texture. That's great. Do your thing. Also, you're very trusting, literally putting on a VR headset on the edge of a pool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I honestly, I I was a little nervous about it, but it was really nice outside. I need to push myself to be outside more and that was kind of my way to do it because, you know, I, I have to keep on working, but... It's, it's going to get cold soon. So oh, yeah. We're about to, to be in that. Michael and I are both in Brooklyn, so not far from you. But we're about to be yeah. ba- we're about to be back on that, like, getting dark at 3.30, 4 p.m. And you're just like, I've gotten exactly one hour of some form of sunlight. Depression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. No, I man. And with the VR sculpting, I really do think it's going to be 
integrated more into people's workflows, the easier the programs come out. And I've heard some people call it lag, which is just the going from one program to another program. But as that even comes better and more fluid, I would love to see it. Maybe there already is a Blender plugin where it's kind of like Go Z, where, you know, in cinema, you just, if you're in ZBrush, you just push one button mm-hmm. and it auto imports. I'd love to see something like that for one of these VR sculpting programs to instantly go to a 3D program. And you could even do edits on both at the same time. But if, if anything of that nature comes even close, that would be a game changer. Because sculpting in VR, yeah, not only is it fun, but just being able to turn your head and get a completely new angle, it's as fast as you turn your head. It, I mean, and you can blow up your models to be as big as a skyscraper and then get a whole new viewpoint from just shrinking it down and turning your, I don't know. From the experiences I've done it with, it, it was just a pretty good game changer, you know, and it definitely kind of unlocks a different part of your brain when it comes to sculpting. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, I'm not a big sculptor. I have, I'm definitely more of like a box modeler slash procedural stuff, but I have been forcing myself to be like, all right, let me get into it. Cause also Blender has incredible sculpt tools. Even if you're, even if you're not a sculptor, it's a great way to like add detail to models and do some like fine work. If you're doing some high poly stuff and want to have some cool subdivision work in there. And honestly, the first thing I learned is like, how many times do I click and rotate my model while I'm sculpting? You know, <laughs> even with just like a way comment, like you're constantly just rotating, rotating, you know, you have to be looking at it from all angles because, you know, you add a little geometry one place and suddenly it feels imbalanced, but you don't notice until you like turn the model a little. So it totally makes sense to me that it would feel comfortable and more organic to do that in VR where you're physically seeing it in front of you and you can navigate around it more, more naturally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely feels like it. I don't know. There's uh, the new headsets are coming out soon where it's even going to have some of the, we'll see what Cambridge, the, you know, they're probably dropping that in the next, they said October. So that's exciting. That's going to be fully AR and VR. Apparently they just sent a link. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw it, but somebody from Meta left three headsets out on like a table and just completely forgot to pick up these brand new non-release Cambridge headsets out. And some guy just posted like somebody from Meta just left these at our office. If no one picks it up by tomorrow, I'm opening them. Oh my God. Or like probably more accurately, (laughs) a former employee of Meta. (laughs) Yeah. As of now. Yeah. It's like, you can't pick it up because you know, somebody's going to get caught. But so yeah, there's kind of like a really cool leak. You can see of somebody, I just saw the unboxing. I didn't see, he didn't seem to be super tech savvy, but it looks interesting and it looks kind of just like the cambridge that mark's been wearing but a little different but uh, yeah i'm ex- i'm just excited for getting back doing vr sculpting because that stuff is just so fun but yeah so when you finish your models do you sculpt at all bringing it back into blender do you do any like fine detailing with that or do you just usually pull push out your final export out of vr Oh, every single step is definitely another level of me trying to, you know, shave it down and give more detail to it. So I'll kind of, I'll get the general shape, not the color in VR, because yes, you can color and be like, you know, texture it with the, with the texture, but I just find it easier to do it in Blender and I actually just enjoy it. So when I send over the file to Blender, I'll usually create like 
one of the assets in VR. And then in Blender, I have other assets that I've brought in from other softwares that I've worked on to combine this one scene. And then, yeah, so every software kind of has its own level of detail that I add to each piece in order to get the final desired piece look. Yeah, I've also found like doing any sort of I, I just like I'm most familiar with cycles and like cycles X and Eevee a little bit too. I've always found if I try to render in something else, like specifically things like color management can become a huge thing where suddenly you render in one program and then you render the exact same thing in another program, same texture sets and everything. And you're just like, why does, you know, colors look different. And so I feel like I, wherever you're going to end up rendering is usually the place that I want to do all of my like color and texture and lighting just to, to mm-hmm. avoid that like moment where you're like, Oh my God, everything looks different. What happened? <laughs> I know you named pretty much every program under the sun. Do you do any texturing and substance painter? Actually? No, mm. I've never used Damn. substance painter, which I should. I actually wrote it down on my notebook like two days ago. Well, the, the I'm nice thing, a little late. the nice thing about <laughs> substance is, uh, so blender actually has some substances, I guess it's Adobe now, right? Um, has released yeah. some plugins that are direct integrations to Substance. So basically, you make your you can either download from like the marketplace or create your own in like Substance Designer, and then you make SBSRs or SBS packages, and then you within Blender you can just navigate to the material, load it, set the parameters, and it will automatically make a principled shader out of it for cycles or whatever you're working in. So, um, wow. and That's it's so and it's honestly, I mean. Substance Painter for sure is was a game changer, and I think Blender is trying to make is trying to redo their uh, their texture paint system to be exactly the same in terms of like the biggest game changer is when you're painting in Substance Painter, you're painting every map at once, you're not just painting one, you're not just painting the color map, you're not painting, so everything gets updated, so it's just so seamless. Um, and I yeah, that was actually my last deep. I did that deep dive like last year, and I don't always use it, but I mean there are times where I'm like oh this is a really good use case to just do some substance painter stuff. Or even, you know, once you start paying for the subscription through Adobe, I think you get a certain number of assets every month that you can download. So it's like, I've worked on stuff where I'm like, okay, I need this really specific material. I certainly do not feel like making it from the ground up, you know, yeah. um, download it one click it's applied. So you'll, you will talk to you in like three months and you'll be like a, an absolute pro at it from what I gather. Yeah, hopefully, exactly. hopefully we talk in three months and I am. <laughs> At your rate. Well, I have one more question that I kind of want to jump into the future stuff, which I'm excited because I think you're you're going to be fit right up this alley with these questions. But before doing that, I just want to ask, uh, yo, your computer setup, how long did you work on that? Because that is a great looking setup you got there. Thank you so much. Well, I'm working in a company called Silverback PC with my partner. We started it. So Silverback PC specializes in building custom PCs for gamers, artists, PC, people who, you know, mine, anyone who, use a, who uses a computer, basically. And so I got the first model, and it, mine is probably the cutest out of all of them that will ever be built because it's, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> but it took me about, the actual PC being built took, um, my partner's name is Matthew. Matthew spent, like, couple days building it because he's very very fast at working on it but the actual space itself is constantly i'm i keep on going to five below and then going to the dollar store and then getting paint and i'm just i i'm always adding more to my space just like i am with my scenes but i would say it took me a couple of months to get yeah Yeah, it's so sick i i actually immediately when i started looking at 
So I've used like, I've gone from like two monitors to three monitors. So like just an ultra wide. And now I've got like a 4k ultra wide, which is great. But I'm now I'm like, I see your vertical screen and I'm like, I want a vertical screen. There's just, like, <laughs> I never have enough real estate, I feel like. And yeah, I'm always a huge, once I discovered like Q lights, I was like lighting my office is a huge deal. I got to have like the under desk lighting, get my perfect mood set, you know, all excuses for what makes the perfect place to make art, which is probably not true at all some people just like chill on a laptop and make incredible stuff but i love having a comfortable space and a space that's all your own and i feel like yeah i love your uh, i love the fisheye video of just like your entire rig it's Thanks. it's so cool you should yeah, see underneath our... my desk i had to i created a custom curtain to hide all of the wires so it's like a <laughs> no, yeah. holographic curtain so then you can't see the terrible wires behind it because i have terrible cable management <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, like, I love how your PC is on the wall. Hey, I don't think yeah. that's I, crazy. I'm so bad at construction. I would never trust myself to <laughs> rig that up. But it's so cool because it looks like it's a display. You know, it's it's I love that. And then I was going to say, yeah, I don't see any wires hanging from it, which is cool. But I guess you you have them behind the display. Yeah, stuff, so. I tried. That's, Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> Clever engineering. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and Andrew, do you, do you have any questions or you think good for the future? I, th I think we jump into the, the future stuff for sure. All right, let's do it. The future. future. This is the part of the show where we just ask questions, hypotheticals about the future. There's no judgment. We just are curious in what we all think about what might be coming down the line, whether it's in five years or a thousand years. So that this is just a kind of fun part of the show or we just try and pick each other's brains. So, well, first question, Isabel, we're going to kind of go off now. This this is becoming a little bit more modern of a question, but we're still keeping it in the future because we want to know also what you think this field might go. That field being NFTs. What do you think about it now and where do you think NFTs will be going later on? Well, I think this is kind of just the beginning of the internet for Web3. So when I remember hearing my dad, like my dad tells me all the time when, you know, domain names were getting popular years and years ago, people used to make fun of other people for, oh, why are you buying a domain name? What is that going to do for you on the internet? And now you can't do anything on the internet without a simple domain name. <laughs> it's like, it's like it, yeah. it it's necessary. So NFTs right now, I think it's been around for three years, four years. I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know the exact amount of time, but I mean, I think we're kind of in a place where it's still kind of growing. It's still growing and it's going to be growing forever and ever and ever. NFTs are being used as tokens, as pieces of memorabilia from shows, as ways to show like how special a certain event is. Maybe, you know, it, it could branch off into so many different things so i love the idea of nfts it opens up a new way of sharing artwork creating value for things that are digital which was necessary there was no if it wasn't called nfts it would have been called something else so this was just an inevitable progression in the way the technology is going right now so yeah i think that nfts are going to end up being necessary in the 20 years that's kind of like, I think that's a safe uh, number to give, but it's also going to take some time for everybody to kind of make it a daily thing that we talk about. Yeah. Without, and also without the sort of like right now, I, I mean, it's tapered a bit. 
I feel like at first it was just a loaded conversation too, because it's most people's foray into the NFT space was, I guess, what, late 2020 when everyone is just suddenly like, I'm, you know, I sold a, the, the conversation was I sold a JPEG for a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Okay. And so people suddenly were like, it just became a loaded conversation at that point. And now that things have tapered down, obviously they haven't gone away. I don't think we are where we were when the market first started blowing up like that. So it sort of takes the gas off like the conversation a little bit. And I think gives people the opportunity to sort of, all right, like now let's have a constructive conversation about it. It's here. The technology hasn't gone anywhere. You know, it is getting used in new ways. So I I totally agree with you where it's like, you know, there's no, there's certainly no going back to pre NFTs. It's going to be here. It's just a question of what it looks like, how widespread the adoption goes, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love how you compared it to the internet in the beginning days, because I don't know if you guys have even heard of the million dollar homepage project. Well, essentially, well, that's what it's known now. I'm not sure what it was called at the time, but essentially this guy made a website and all you had to do was pay $1 and you would get one pixel on this oh, right. website. And corporations were going into it everybody was he wound up making over a million dollars and that's especially a million dollars back then and he was just a 21 year old i'm not even sure what year it was but you look at that now or even back then people were like oh what a scam this is the internet it's crap it's got you know but there was just things like that where people didn't know what they were doing and now i don't know i like what you said that like people buying home pages you know they were considered dumb you know or even domain i mean like who bought, I don't know, I'm sure there are some domain names that people just made so much. That's, they, they didn't even have a website park there. They just were like speculating on, all right, I'm going to buy a domain yeah. name because, you know, someone's going to need it one day. You know what's funny is my dad, I swear, I wish he was here because he would start laughing about this. <laughs> he tells me this story every time we're with my uncle. But when domains were coming off, he said to my uncle, I have an idea. I'm going to buy the domain names of every single fruit that exist yeah and my uncle was like what are you gonna do buy apple.com i don't know it's like that and uh yeah they talk about it all the time i must have heard that story 30 times but that's yeah true you know and and then there was also the but you know the dot com crash and guess what still using dot coms, yeah. you know, yeah. more valuable than ever, even after the crash. So sure. it's, yeah. it's all about what the artist who is, it is all about what the creator makes of what they are making. Like if I intend on creating an experience for someone to view using the NFT as the ticket to that experience that links you to the experience, that's the only way I'm going to be able to give you that asset or allow you to right. view that file. I sometimes like when I'm trying to explain it to my sisters, I'll be like, if you wanted to buy this ring from me, which is, let's say, an animation of a ring, the only way I would be able to give you the ring that you want is if you buy the file. Just as you would buy right. the thing on my website, you buy it now as an NFT. And now with that NFT comes all of these things. So whatever that NFT comes with is the artist's decision, which is right. kind of just what my professors were also talking about in school. You make what? You like you you define who you want to be in this space. So if you want right. to create NFTs that are just JPEGs, that's all you. But if you want to create VR worlds it, as NFT tokens, whatever it is, that's also awesome. You could do that too. I, I just love this space because you can do whatever you want and still be successful and still 
your own version of success, but you could still be successful. You could still just create whatever you want and be able to share it with people and have people experience what you want. So yeah, I just, I love this yeah. space and I love the ability that NFTs gives artists to push out their work on any medium through any medium. Yeah, I agree completely. It's funny because I do think that I don't, I liked when you said if it wasn't called NFTs, it would be called something else. I feel like honestly, NFTs do need a little rebranding. <laughs> I kind of hope they, because <laughs> I really do associate NFT with JPEG. Somebody yeah. spent way too much money right. for, and the utilities are just they're, they're unlimited. So I don't know. Maybe there maybe there is something there down the line of having a different name established or. Maybe, you know, after some new cool things come out, you know, everybody will kind of forget it. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Well, moving ahead, like speaking of kind of future things and utilities such as the metaverse, what is your thoughts on the metaverse? Having had kind of your own experiences with creating some VR worlds, what do you think about the current state of it? And what does the word metaverse mean to you? And where do you see the metaverse going? Well, I mean, I also think that just as the definition for XR, NFTs, everything, they keep on morphing, the metaverse is going to keep on morphing. The definition of what a metaverse is, is going to keep on changing. For me, what I think that the way that I define a metaverse is a platform where you can access any device and be able to experience something that is a mixture of reality on top of this world. It's like an extension of our reality. So you can go on through a, a browse, like, you know, go on to Google and type in the website name, or it could be an app. I don't know. Like it's personally, I don't think that I have the, the, the know-how as to how to define it, but it will constantly be, you know, changing. If you have to download something, does that make it not a metaverse? I don't know. That definition may change in the next three months. It's also how an artist wants to create their own. Like Horizon Worlds is something completely different than what I want to build and my version of what I think it's supposed to be. But that doesn't devalue either one of the works because it's still art. Art is art no matter what it is. And if you want to experience it, if not, don't. So it's just like that way. Everyone's going to be able to pick and choose, oh, I want to go on Instagram's metaverse. So I want to go on um, Snap's metaverse. I want to go on, you know, I'm not being like very political with the words, but you know. Well, I mean, no, it's it's kind of interesting. Like, I feel like nomenclature is such an important part of the conversation too. It's the same thing with NFTs, right? We kind of just touched on it, but I think Facebook rebranding as meta and then saying we have the metaverse. I know a lot of people that are not as, I wouldn't even say non-technical. They're at this point, everyone's has some degree of technicality. We all have smartphones, we all use social media, but certainly aren't exposed, I think, to the same degree as like being in this space, you're exposed to all of these concepts. So people, I, I know a lot of people that just hear metaverse and they think specifically Mark Zuckerberg's companies yeah. built this thing that is like second, second life, but Facebook, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think that was probably a st strategic play on their part. But so now everyone associates metaverse with that when it's okay. Yeah, but that is a metaverse. It's not the metaverse. There is no one singular to your point. It can be anything. It can be, you could make a movie theater in the metaverse and you could watch a movie in the metaverse if that's what you want to do. It doesn't have to be corporate branded. It doesn't have to have sponsorship. It doesn't, you don't need to have an NFT to get into every metaverse, you know? So it's, I think it's just a matter of over time, hopefully that, that familiarity with the concept sort of 
grows and people realize that it's not just confined to this one thing or owned by one, you know, the idea of the democratization of the internet in web 3.0, I think those kind of conversations go hand in hand a lot. And it's because, you know, if it's, if the idea is to kind of empower the the creator, then it can be whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- there's these two ladies on, on YouTube and they do phenomenal VR reviews. Well, if you watch the YouTube or Instagram, we'll put them in the comment section. I think, I don't even know what a comment section is, but that's just what <laughs> I'm going to say. Uh, you always hear that and you never find the links. <laughs> Somewhere <so laughs> yeah, exactly. I, if I, if I find them later in the episode, I'll, I'll say the name, but anyway, here are they are, Cass and Cherry VR. Thank God I found it. There, it's C A S and Cherry is C H A R Y. They have a really great video on just kind of what the metaverse is for them. And long story short, she just kind of what I thought was impossible, kind of explained how it could be possible, and that is that everybody agrees to work on the same platform. And she was kind of just saying it like the internet and she was kind of incorporating how NFTs would be accessible through all worlds and how, you know, one place might get so big that everybody just agrees to start jumping onto that sort of platform or that web base because if everybody wants the NFTs that, oh, sorry, my dog just ran into <laughs> Um, but if everybody, you know, say for instance, like this place has all these cool artists on it and all these cool local, I don't know, buildings and architectures. And then Nike's like, I want to join in. Well, it's like, you're going to have to start using our database and you're going to have to start using that. And then from there, there might just be an ecosystem that grows so big out of it that there's almost no point to join in on other ones because there's this one big one that everybody's in. And there might be like subcategories, but there might actually become some sort of metaverse where there really is a massive ecosystem where just that's the one everybody uses. And that's the WWW that is affiliated with everyone's main source um, or landing page, I guess. I don't even know. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, I was ranting on so much. I kind of forgot where I was going while looking for that YouTube page name. But no, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like there is no I mean, think about like the web as it stands today. Like everyone knows. Well, most websites are the standard is HTML5 and CSS. And, you know, people put some JavaScript on top of that or some custom applets. But like, you know, HTML5 is is the language of the Internet for so much of it. Right. And so there's sort of this uniform language that everyone makes a website in. And usually there's some, there's at least some layer of that. I agree with you in the sense where it's like right now, especially with how proprietary headsets are getting. And, you know, so you, so you do hit sort of these roadblocks where it's like, well, if, if A doesn't talk to B because they both have their own proprietary language that they're using, it kind of, I think in my mind sort of cheapens what all of like web three was supposed to, is supposed to be about, or like what metaverse, you know, metaverses can be, which is just this, like bringing everything together instead of further fracturing the internet into yeah. either use this or you don't, or you use this or you don't, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm all about getting away from this idea of everything being as proprietary as possible. I mean, you know, that's a, a much bigger conversation, but yeah, it's, I agree with you. I think as soon as we have, 
someone will come along, I think. And whether it's like connectors so that they can talk to one another more easily, or if it is just this one place where it's like, this is having some standards for what it means to build a metaverse, you know, it doesn't, again, not the metaverse, but to build a metaverse to have some sort of, you know, we have web standards, we have accessibility standards for the web. I think all that stuff will come down the line for sure. Yeah, she actually goes into a lot of that too, is like, you almost do need some standards and you do need some regulations. And It'll be more of like a publicly voted on thing. And and the video for anybody listening, it's uh, Cass and Sherry VR 2030 Metaverse and how it will blow your mind. So okay. she goes awesome. really into the future of it. But yeah, definitely a, definitely a good recommend on that. Nice. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do want to ask, so where, where do you kind of, do you use VR a lot? What kind of headsets are you rocking? I have the Meta or Oculus Quest 2. So that's the one that I mainly use. I want to get the, what is that called? The snap lens, like the, mm. the glasses for AR. Yes. But I'm just honestly waiting for all of these new ones to come out. I'm not doing anything. I'm not buying anything for another couple of months until I see all of the new ones come out because I have a really big feeling some really exciting stuff is going to come. I was watching a bunch of videos. I don't remember the dates for any of them, so I don't know how long I have to wait, but yeah there's a bunch of new stuff coming up so i'm excited yeah me too you know october i am really amped to see what this new uh the new quest headset is gonna be especially just i think the features of having being able to see through your headset and actually have a visual display of what's around you is going to be so nice and i feel like you know even when i'm sculpting to be honest I would kind of like to see what's around me just in general versus being in just a blank world because I don't know, I kind of call it, I don't know. I, I used to call it like a pants down effect. It's just weird. It's like embarrassing and you don't know who's around you yeah. and you're like kind of, <laughs> you know, you hear a crack and you're like, who's there, you know, like, but if you had that visibility, no matter what, and you could kind of talk if somebody said hey you want to go to the movies and you don't even have to take your headset off or you could kind of just see them and have that interaction i think that'll be a really good game changer and apparently now everything's a rumor when it comes to apple but that's also what apple's working on and i would i am so excited to see what they drop when they yes. drop it yes me too yeah i, I feel like they're going to be hopefully leading some cool stuff, you know, because it's just, uh, that's what Apple has done in the past is kind of innovate on, on things that were close, but you know, no cigar. And so if, if they drop something, it could be really interesting. Definitely. All right. Well, th I think this might be one of our last questions here and uh, Andrew, feel free to ask away if you have anything else, but where do you see self? I know we talked about near goals and what you're trying to do, but where do you see yourself maybe in 10 years or 20 years down the line? What would be like your dream ideal spot to, to land? I am constantly just pushing a lot of my ideas. So as I come up with a new idea, sometimes it becomes another one of my dreams added on top. So I can't say that this is going to be the once and final definition. I know that <laughs> it, when I watch back this video, like in my head, I'm like, when you watch this back, you're not going to have the same opinion, <laughs> but hopefully it's the general same opinion. I want to keep on keep creating everything that I've just been creating, but times 10, hopefully in the next 10 <laughs> years, I'll be doing a lot more professional work. Other than, like, I'm so blessed to have my clients now, but you know, just keep on progressing with that. 
And yeah, hopefully the iceverse will be bigger than Disney World in the metaverse. Heard and it here first, people. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just, just continuing with my animations, just building through XR because if if in the next month there's a new software that comes out, like I just started using Dolly and it changed my life. And it changed my life so fast in in a matter of three hours that I was able to expand what I was doing so so quickly. So like I'm just really excited for what new technologies are going to come in the future. There's endless possibilities worth talking about what's going to come out in the next two, three months. And we're going to be able to see our surrounding in VR. So I can't imagine what it's going to be like the holographic computers. I don't know. Maybe that's stupid, but uh, like still, it, you never know what could come in the next 10, 15, 20 years. So I will still be creating every single day for the rest of my life. That's my life goal and career goal to keep doing and creating things that make me feel really passionate, really happy, which is what XR does. So I intend on creating and doing that and cool. building up my store. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And yeah, actually that you mentioned something. I can't believe I forgot about this. I need to add this onto the little questionnaire here, but AI, what is your thought on that? It's, I know you just said you used it for Dolly. Have you used any other yes. AIs? And what's your thought on future of AI and, and or your workflow with working with it? I think AI is both very beneficial and sometimes it can be negative, I guess. With AI generation, a lot of the stuff, let's say I wanted to AI generate something, what I would type in, if you typed in the same exact definition or same exact words I would use, you would not get the same thing that right. I got. So technically, all of the work is completely yours and it's completely unique to your description and to what you're creating. I think that could be a little bit of a detriment to people, but it also gives a lot of people the opportunity to create something that they weren't able to and you can create it in seconds. So if you're able to hash out an idea and build something beautiful in 30 seconds with a prompt that you wrote that would also allow your brain to push itself even more okay i built this now what's next what else can i think of how can i generate more versions and the ways i have been using ai which is very very helpful i love it like it's been amazing it's for yes. texture oh my gosh the seamless textures the just it it's so perfect it is so perfect because i don't have to go on google to go search up a stupid background or to look for uh, something without a watermark to just overlay as a texture. I could have something completely mine in seconds. I've only used Dolly for now, but I was actually wanting to get into Midjourney. But I also saw two more this morning mm -hmm. on Instagram that people have used. So I'm sure there's like new coming out every day. I love the idea. If any tool that there is to create art, I would say go for it. It doesn't matter. If you want to create something, create it. Ideas have a shelf life. If you wait on it, someone else will take it. Yeah. You just got to go for it. Who cares? Who, who cares if they don't like it? Then just don't watch it. Then that's it. It's as simple as that. Don't look at it. And yeah, so I, I just love the whole AI generation thing. It opened up a whole new world for all artists, I think. Really fun. Cool. Well, uh, Andrew, do you have any questions or any other thing? I don't think so. I feel like we got so much good stuff. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, uh, Isabel, do you have anything like you'd like to mention before we go? Any drops we should be looking out for? Any cool projects we should be aware of? Well, I mean, 
as I said before, I'm just updating as I go. In the next couple of months, you're going to be seeing some crazy drops coming from me. But I would like to say that you guys do an incredible job with this podcast. I've watched every single oh, video. Wow. I've listened to all of them. You guys work so, so hard, and I really appreciate it. This podcast is great. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you guys, and I love listening to them. So it's like an honor to be a part of it now. I hope to work with you guys in the future. Yeah. You guys are both very talented artists, and it's really a pleasure to be talking to you guys. You guys are so sweet, and it's just it's so great to meet like-minded artists who are in this field. We could have a nerdy conversation and no judgment. It's so fun. This is my favorite kind of conversation. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> so thank you guys. guys well, thank you. Yeah. And thank, thank you for saying that. And yeah, that is um, my elevator pitch for this podcast for people that aren't in motion design. They're like, oh, like what's on the podcast? I was like, it's just a bunch of people <laughs> nerding out about stuff. For, <laughs> and, it, and you might, you know, you might like it, you might not, but it's a lot of nerding out. So yeah, but obviously thank you so much for saying that. That's awesome. And we are so happy that you were able to come of on. Of course. And hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll have another chat and maybe I interview you guys next time <laughs> on the podcast. I <laughs> would love that. Hey, why not? <laughs> thank you guys so much. You guys are the best, truly.